Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Okay, Marianne. Hello. <laughs>
and welcome to the Berean Bible Chapel Blog Talk Radio broadcast for the 15th of April, 2018. Time marches on, and here we are gathered together in Jesus' name, and we are uh, very, very grateful to have you join us for this special broadcast tonight. Tonight we're looking at Damascus, or everything you wanted to know about Damascus, but we're afraid to ask. Guess what, folks? (laughs) Guess what? Tonight we're going to look at Damascus through the Word of God. So I hope you brought your Bible, brought your notepad, hope you're ready and willing and able to take a journey with us through God's Word as we look at this city mentioned in Scripture. And uh, we'll get into that later in the broadcast. Right now, Mary Ann's going to uh, open this blessed time we have together in Jesus' name and prayer. Amen. Amen, Chaplain Bill. It is the middle of the month. It's Sunday, April 15th already. And here we are halfway through April. And remember what Chaplain always tells us, we don't know what the rest of the year is going to bring. Only our Lord knows. I like this from Revelation 5, and I'm going to share Ah, the first few verses with you. I'm going to read. It's when Jesus will open the scroll, and he will. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the scroll, neither to look on it. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Well, I just say praise the Lord, precious ones. Our Jesus, the Lion of Judah, he is so worthy. He is worthy, and he will open the scroll. I love these words, Isaiah 43, verse 2 and 3. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He is our peace in the unknown, and he will keep you standing strong, no matter what comes your way, precious ones. Dear Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you this evening, and we do thank you for your peace that passes all understanding. All the goodness you give to us, forgive us. Forgive us, Father, when we sin. When our cares overwhelm us, Lord, you're right there. Your word, how it comforts us. You are a gracious God. You're so compassionate towards us. Father, we do dedicate tonight this service to you. These perilous times. There are those that are fearful, and we want them to know that with you, Father, we don't have to fear. We pray for our unsaved loved ones and dear ones. There are so many, and we pray that you would turn their hearts to godly things. They see things happening right here, right now, just like we do, and they know, Father, something's not right in the world. So we pray hearts to be softened to to the message of salvation, of your gospel. We pray for those all around this world, Lord, right now, suffering for your name's sake. We do ask 
that the light of your precious gospel would go and reach into the darkest corners of the world. Things are rapid pace now, Father. Time is winding down. Time is short. Who do we have but you? And, oh, Father, for Israel. Mm, You watch her. You never sleep or slumber. We love her. Eyes are on her also to destroy her. Father, we pray for her every day, O oh Lord, every day. For all the unspoken prayer requests that have come into Brianne Chapel, you alone know the names, you know the hearts, and you know the prayers. And we pray. We pray for all those suffering physical ills and on the beds of sickness. We pray for healing, that you alone would be glorified if it's your will. For those that are so hurting, Help them to find comfort inside your word, all your beautiful promises to us. We ask you to bless each precious soul that has come out this evening to listen. Those from Berean, those that are not there, those who found us by accident, but it's no accident with you, Father. They're here for a reason. We're so thankful we can gather together. And we pray your perfect will into every single prayer request that is always brought before us every week, into every circumstance, every situation. We ask for your strength to be given to each precious soul. Help us to live this new week with love in our hearts and always to be in tune with the gentle prodding that you give us. Oh, Father, we continue to pray for our troops now. They're near and in the Middle East. And we thank you, Lord, for your hand of protection. In those hours of that attack, no confrontation was given back. You alone, God, are in total control of all of this. Father, you're the keeper of our days, our hours, our weeks, our very lives. Please forgive us our sins. These are perilous times. Thank you for the days that we have to serve you. Help us to understand, Lord, it's less of us and so much more of you because we love you so much. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen and amen.
Word is alive. Amen. And we are here gathered around his word in his name. And it is good to have you with us. And Marianne sends her greetings, I'm sure, from Ohio. And I'm sending my (laughs) greetings from South Carolina. And who knows where the greetings are going to. We are just, uh, we're at 192 people listening again. And, uh, I guess that must be an average, Marianne. I don't know. Okay. That's a good average. <laughs> I do know, and I want to apologize again for all the ladies who came to try to get in the chat room. Oh. I, the chat button is not working in my oh. uh, in, in the studio, and I can't even click on it. So I'm very 
flustered there, but I'm not going to let it uh, distract me and derail me. We're not here to necessarily uh, go into a chat room. We're here to uh, look around God's word and, and to build each other up and everything else. And if uh, the enemy tries to uh, demoralize us, he's just going to fail big time. And that's all there is to that. I'm looking forward to what you got to share with us this week, Marianne. Well, first of all, Chaplain Bill, I'll tell you that I missed it all Friday night. Um, <laughs> I missed the president's announcement at 9 o'clock, and I I take it that I slept through everything, and, and Mylan and I, we found out about it in the morning when we woke up, and we did turn on the TV news a little bit, so we were shocked. We had no idea. But it reminded me that we've talked about this before, and Chaplain Bill, you've always, always talked to us about you just don't know what's going to happen this year or any time. But we know we're the generation. Um, I was thinking we're waiting on his return for us, and when we look all around, we don't have to fear, and we are the generation that knows that Bible prophecy is coming to pass, and all we have to do is look up, and he's our blessed hope. He's coming for us. You know, but this generation, some wonder, well, when is this going to happen? When is it going to be? How? When? Because we're so used to knowing everything in advance, and there's all this technology. It tells us almost everything, and and. Some of those folks are just not used to not knowing, and some folks panic, and some make predictions, and some make some very awful predictions. And then some of them remember that we don't have to, we don't have to know that, that there's not a need to know. God looks down. He watches us. He takes perfect care of us. He is in control of all these things. And his perfect plan of prophecy, it keeps unfolding. It keeps going at his perfect pace. And I think that's pretty awesome. Perfect timing, his, not ours. And because we're his and we belong to him, we don't have to fear. We've got that spirit of sun, sonship. It's not fear or anxiety that we have to carry around with us when these things happen. And yes, we have our lives, and we've talked about this before too. We have our deadlines and our to-do lists, and we have our timelines. But all that really counts is God's perfect timing. He is the master of the timing. And the rapture is going to happen exactly at the right time. But it's going to be his time, and we don't have to have the spirit of fear our faith, like Chaplain Bill said, is in Jesus. And I listened to his video, and I hope you did too. And he quoted Hosea, the book of Hosea. Did you hear it? Did you catch it? Did you did you hear what Chappie said? And he said we don't have to jump into that spirit of fear. And when we look back, even a few short weeks ago, months ago, and Chaplain Bill was teaching us on end times prophecy, just think how much closer since those times that we're going to see Jesus. And I think that's pretty awesome, too. So if you get a chance, please try and go back and listen to Chaplin's messages on his videos. 
We don't have to be afraid. Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for us. We are the ones who love him. And I know I've heard Chaplain Bill quote that beautiful promise in Scripture to us many times. And a sweet sister sent me, uh, I think this is a song, Beautiful Words. She asked me to read it. Um, If it is a song, I'm sorry, I don't know it, but I'm going to read it anyway. Everybody's got a wound to be healed. We want to believe that there's beauty here because we get so tired of holding on. Sometimes we can't move. We want to believe and to know that there's meaning here. How many times have we cried out to God, please take this away, Lord? How many times has he given us the strength to just keep on breathing, to bear it, just to keep on living? Oh, we need you, God. We need you now. Walking on a road we didn't plan, wondering how did we get here, and we're trying to hear that still, small voice. We're trying to hear above all that noise. And Psalm 66 says, But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. And Heavenly Father, our focus, help, show us, remind us, needs to be first on prayer. And then, Father, we need to pray for our unsaved loved ones and dear ones. And sharing your gospel then as best as we can. Father God, we know you'll do the rest, and we do trust in you. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. So thank you. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Bill. You know, during the evening of Friday after it was announced, and uh, I, was, I happened to be online at the same time the announcement came, and I was, uh, at first I was taken aback because, to be honest with you, I honestly thought that the threat from Vladimir Putin to the United States would uh, delay indefinitely any response to this uh, situation that developed in Duma, uh, suburb of Damascus. And then it hit me as I was sitting there, uh, Damascus has always been the same throughout history. And it was uh, that Damascus uh, was a, uh, in scripture, was a super city, a mega city, a hub, very much uh, uh, filled, I mean, literally filled with uh, people and everything, and uh, all of them in rebellion against God and, and without exception, uh, against Israel, except during the time of the Romans. Then it was Arab and Jew against the Romans, and it hit. It it really it really got a hold of me that the uh, subject of Damascus really needs to be looked at by Christians because so many oftentimes we we keep saying you know we're looking for the destruction of Damascus, right. we're looking for that action to happen, we're looking for it to be turned into a ruinous heap. Yes. <laughs> 
And so I prayed and I asked God, I said, God, is this what you want me to preach on? Damascus, you know, is it going to become tonight? Is it, you know, I was sitting there in the recliner with my computer on my lap and I was, and I was like, you know, I was like, Lord, is this what you want? Is this what you want me to pray? Pray about, you know, sharing in the message because honestly, I was going to be talking about, uh, like a part of a follow-up to last week's message. But it was the Holy Spirit clearly because I began to see something online among brethren, even some brethren who are part of this ministry. Many of them said they were in tears. Many of them said they were afraid. Many of them said, what's going to happen, Bill? Is this it? And there was some... uh, there was some serious speculation going on. But you know what, folks, and let me say this, and I'm in all, in all sincerity, what's to speculate? <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, the, the promise has been there in the scripture regarding Damascus, and it is a promise. When you read in the scripture where it says the burden of the Lord regarding so-and-so, such-and-such, that word, that term, the burden of the Lord, that means this is what God is focused, fixed on. This is what he's this is what He's saying about this particular subject. And we look at Isaiah 17, 1 and 2, and we read that passage, and we, we read that it is literally a promise from God regarding Damascus. Tonight, I urge you, I hope to have the video going simultaneously so we have as wide an audience as possible. But the uh, the message tonight is, is you know, we uh, in jest and in chuckling, I said, you know, everything you wanted to know about Damascus but was afraid to ask. The trouble is, when you begin to ask about Damascus, it becomes very, very clear when you ask God, Holy Spirit, and and in the Word of God, Lord, show me Damascus. Help me to find everything there is to know about uh, what the Bible says about Damascus. And you suddenly see, you suddenly, especially in the end times, why that promise is so relevant. It's one of those promises that's been... Fulfilled in the past And yet it's going to be fulfilled in the future And there's only one other city That that promise like that exists for And we'll look at that too And uh, it's it's part of the message The two cities are linked Intertwined together And it is the same exact consequence For both cities and it really makes you stop and think and see what is God saying and why is Damascus, why do we fix on it so much? I believe it's because the Holy Spirit's trying to urge us stop looking at speculative thinking and fix on God's word and fix on what the prophecy says and what the word of God is saying. And then when you when you do that and, and you look at it through the lens of Scripture, Marianne, I'm here to tell you, sis, it'll send a chill down your back. It'll send a chill right down your back and a thrill right in your heart. 
and you'll find yourself saying, oh, my, I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. And the message will make that very clear tonight, uh, starting at 6 o'clock Eastern time when when we uh, go into God's Word. And it's going to be the entire hour, folks. So uh, hold on to your hats, buckle up. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, have your coffee or ginger ale or whatever you got handy, because yeah. you're going to need to be taking some sips here and there when yeah. when we when we start to look at just what's going on with Damascus yeah. and and uh, I and I I do want to concede this for all my brothers and sisters out there is that in my time 43 years uh, almost 45 years now serving the Lord. And then dealing with Bible prophecy, I, I'm just as guilty as the other person for speculation. But let me tell you something. There is a definite reality check that hits you right between the running lights, you know, right between the running lights when you, when you are listening to the Word of God and what the Word of God has to say. And, and uh, it is... Uh, Self-evident in the last days and end times, Damascus is its own self-evidence, its own indictment, its own uh, uh, complete justification, you know. God, if you remember the prophet Jonah, you remember Jonah fled from God's mission, right? Jonah Jonah ran away. You know, he I'm I'm not going to preach against that city because if I do, they're going to repent. I'm going to stop and think about that mindset. And, you know, uh, is it why we're here so people get called to repentance? Well, here's a guy who's called to do that, and he gets to the point where he says, I'm not going to go preach there because if I go preach there, the people are going to hear the warning and they're going to repent. Yeah. And and uh, that was, uh, if you stop and think, that was defiance against God, and it's no wonder God sent the fish to find Jonah. And... Uh, when you, st- uh, you stop and think about the city, Nineveh, guess where Nineveh is? <laughs> the same region, the same theater that we're going to be looking at tonight. And, and we remember just a few years back, what did ISIS do? ISIS went in there and completely destroyed every religious relic, every trace evidence of Nineveh. In the court, in, in as it related to the uh, the, the book, as the jihadists call the Bible, they call it the book, and they call people who believe the Bible the people of the book, and and that's sufficient cause for them to kill Christians and Jews and anyone who defends the scriptures over their own twisted, perverted thinking, yeah. and uh, we saw that in recent. Years. I mean, in the last eight years, think of what God has shown us. We all look at uh, the Obama administration, and we want to, you know, lay blame at its doorstep. And yes, there was a lot of things they did that that were completely compromising, and have led events to this stage of the game. But guess what, folks? It's not a game. No. This is this is how the world is going was would unfold and is unfolding in these last days and end times. And it is because of that that has led us completely to Friday night, this past Friday night. 
And the lesson of Friday night, beloved, and I said this yesterday in my video message, and I'm saying it again, is that uh, I'm finding myself to more video messages. You know why? Because time is running out. Amen. Time is running out, beloved. I mean, clearly, like sands in an hourglass, it's running out. And everybody seems to think we have all this time, you know, uh, available to us. We don't. We don't have this that much time left. I believe we're in the uh, final hours of the last days and end times. I believe we're approaching that point of uh, departure, that, that point of no return. And I believe very much so that uh, the message God is trying to send to his church when he wakes them up like he did Friday night is, uh, wake thou that sleepest. Wake thou that sleepest. Wake up. Face reality. Time for your reality check. You know, prepare to meet your God, you know. That's why a lot of folks, Marianne, I believe, were crying because they're not ready to meet God. No. They're holding on to things in this world. They're 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 holding on to 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 uh, maybe their possessions, maybe just that sense that their family they know in their heart of hearts their family might not go with them to heaven. You know, it, it could be a, a dozen different reasons, but the point point of the matter is, uh, time is running out. Uh, yeah. the, the end is coming, and the end is almost here. And the end for us here is the beginning of such tribulations such as the world hasn't even begun to see. And you think Hitler was bad. You think Stalin was bad. You think you think uh, Mao Zedong was bad. <laughs> you haven't even begun to see the, the son of perdition at work. And, 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 you know, I'm telling you, every listener listening, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's no guarantee you're going to come to know him during the tribulation. There is no guarantee. This might be your time. This might, this time, this broadcast, this very day might be the reason, the reason you're here tonight. Because, you know, uh, the lesson, as I said, the lesson of this past Friday night is in one hour, everything can change. Yes. Everything. Nobody expected it to happen. I certainly didn't expect it to happen. Everybody says, well, you know, Donald Trump, if you shut the red line, he's going to enforce the red line. It's not, guess what, folks? It's not about Donald Trump. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the culmination and the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's about the testimony of Jesus Christ and the testimony of the Word of God. And Christians for way too long have set that on the back burner, and they turn down the fire thinking, if I turn down the fire, it's not going to do anything. All it does is, it, what happens when you turn down the fire on a stove, Marianne? What happens to that, that, that hot water? What happens to it? That's right. It gets cold. Yeah, it gets cold and lukewarm, doesn't it? Lukewarm, lukewarm. What does what does isn't that strange that Jesus would talk about the lukewarm in Revelation? Yes. In his in the revelation of himself, his concern is for those who are lukewarm. Yes. And he makes he mentions no words, friends. 
He mentions no words. Are you listening, church? Are you listening, brethren? He mentions no words in Revelation. He tells you what's going to happen if you're lukewarm, if you're a lukewarm Christian. Oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to wear my religion on my sleeve. No, we don't wear a religion on our sleeve. That's what the world teaches. You know what we have? We have a relationship in our heart. That's the difference. That's the distinction. That's the difference. And that's all the difference. That's all the difference. And we are here for such a time as this. And many Christians are walking around, thousands of Christians, <laughs> mega churches everywhere. And no, I'm not picking on mega churches. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the, yes. the gospel truth is that they people are being taught that, you know, everything's honky-dory. <laughs> biblical faith, biblical Christianity, biblical prophecy, all of those things are passe. They're for the past. They're, 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 uh, they're being uh, done away with. We're reinventing Christianity. We're reinventing the Christian faith. No, they're not. They're, they're doing exactly what the scripture says. That's right. They're leading people astray, and they're they're compromising God's word, and people are going to be completely, totally, one hundred percent unprepared for what's coming. Yes, they are. They are. And and our mission for such a time as this, brothers and sisters in Christ, our mission, beloved, is to pray and prepare. Yes. Now, can we pray and prepare others? Well, we can pray for others. We can do our best to help prepare them. But no, we can't prepare others. We can't. Not even our own families. (laughs) In the last days, what do we find about families? Families are in disarray and disunity. Families are torn torn up. The enemy is attacking families in the last days. The, the, the enemy is out to destroy families in the last day. The enemy wants you dependent on the enemy. The enemy wants you dependent on the false instead of the true. And yet it's going to present the false as the true. I mean, think about, you know, the diabolical nature of all of that. Yes. And Friday night, Friday night at 9 o'clock, <laughs> it, it could have been much different, beloved. It could have been much different, but God is in total control, yes. and God knew. And, good, and guess what? It wasn't uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, kindness that stayed the Russian military. It was the hand of God. Amen. Yeah. It was the Lord Jesus Christ, the hand that stayed the Russian military from attacking America and American troops and American ships and American bases. It was a hand with a nail scar in the center of it. Do we do 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 you see where I'm going, Marianne? Do, yes. Beloved brethren, do you see what I'm saying here? <laughs> we we have really uh, fallen into that. Uh, we, we haven't just fallen into mid-trib, post-trib, pre-trib. We've fallen in hook, line, and sinker for the whole distraction and derailment and, 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 and 
every effort to to take our eyes off the truth. And the truth is God is the one at work. And the more he gets to work, the more you see his handiwork. Yes. The more you see happening is what he is allowing. What he and he's doing it for like Daniel tells us to, so that in the last days and end times when the those those previously sealed prophecies and those previously sealed messages uh are suddenly revealed yes. and they suddenly come into play, the immediate result is that the wise understand. But the unrighteous, they don't. They are blind to it. Isn't it amazing, beloved? Stop and think of this now. The Holy Spirit showed me this preparing the sermon, and I'm not, I'm not giving away the message, right, right now. But I am going to say this. Isn't it ironic that the dictator tyrant in Syria, who is responsible for directly responsible for the death, the murders? Of 500,000 men, women, and children. He, he's an eye doctor. Yes. His, his, his profession is to treat people so that they can see clearly. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? That, that this is the tyrant who is completely, totally, 100% spiritually blind to the evil. That he himself is immersed in. Yeah. Wow. And that he has led an entire nation along with Russia and Iran and Turkey to support him. Spiritually blinding them as well. The devil is, 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 he knows his hour is coming. And he is at work doing his business, which is to do what? Spiritually blind people. So he takes a Muslim leader, a doctor, an eye doctor, whose whole life purpose is to help people see. Yeah. I mean, that, that, should, that should show you where the message will be tonight. And, and it should show you uh, the perspective that God, in truth, declares in prophecy. And why it's such a burden to God. Yes. It's a burden to God. The burden of the Lord, the Bible says. I mean, regarding Damascus. God sees the end from the beginning, my friends. His word doesn't return void. His prophecies don't return void. You know what that means? That means his prophecies will be fulfilled. Jesus says, I came not to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And we forget that verse when we look at stuff happening, and we turn our attention to men and power and military and all that, (laughs) and and we're waiting for them to do something. Guess what? They're nothing compared to the power of God. Nothing. That's right. Nothing. All right. Let's play a hymn. Well, let's play a hymn. Let's let's go to our our Savior and our God. 
All right. Amen. Good evening. Good evening. I just punched up the video. It's live. People can go to the timeline and they can uh, hold on. Let me see what's going on here. Let's see. Try again. Punch it up again. Let's see if it works this time. If it doesn't work, we'll just do a blog talk, Marianne. <laughs> okay. That works. <laughs> I'm praying we can do both. Yeah. Let's see if it stays on this time. And anyway, uh like everyone to take their Bibles, open up to Isaiah 17. Mary Ann, we're going to let you open us in prayer, sis. Okay. Let's give everybody time to turn. Thanking you always, Father God, for your word, O Lord. Strengthen us by your word and make us humble. You've given us the promise of eternal life, and we're so grateful. We're so thankful, Lord. Bless Chaplain Bill and Patty for all their just continual, constant prayers for us, and bless their faithfulness to you. We love your word, Lord, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' most precious, precious name, amen. 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 Isaiah chapter 17. Isaiah 17. The burden of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. And it shall become a ruinous heap. The cities of Aor are forsaken. They shall be for flocks which shall lie down and none shall make them afraid. The fortress also shall cease from Ephraim, and the kingdom from Damascus, and the remnant of Syria. They shall be like the glory of the children of Israel, saith the Lord of hosts. And in that day it shall come to pass that the glory of Jacob shall be made thin, and the fatness of his flesh shall become lean. And it shall be as when the reaper gathereth the grain, and reapeth the ears with his arms. And it shall be as he that gathereth ears in the valley of Rephraim. Yet gleaning grapes shall be left in it, and the shaking of an olive tree. Two or three berries in the top of the uttermost bough, four or five in its outmost fruitful branches, saith the Lord God of Israel. At that day shall a man look to his maker, and his eyes shall have respect to the Holy One of Israel. And he shall not look to the altars, the work of his hands, neither shall he respect that which his fingers made, neither the idols or the images. In that day shall his strong cities be like a forsaken bough, and an utter uppermost branch which they left because of the children of Israel, and there shall be desolation. Because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation, and hast not been mindful of the rock of thy strength, therefore shalt thou plant pleasant plants, and shalt set it with strange slips. In the day shalt thou make thy plant to grow, and in the morning 
shalt thou make thy seed to flourish, but the harvest shall be a heap in the day of grief and of desperate sorrow. Woe to the multitude of many people who make a noise like the noise of the sea, and to the rushing of nations that, that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. The nation shall rush like the rushing of mighty waters, but God shall rebuke them, and they shall flee far off, and shall be chased like the chaff of the mountains before the wind, and like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. And behold, at evening trouble, and before the morning he is not. This is the portion of those who spoil us, and the lot of those who rob us. Isaiah 17, may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Damascus, Damascus. Trying to get the video to go back up. It keeps cutting off on me, folks. We might just have to do this by blog talk, but that's okay. God has been warning of the judgment against the city of Damascus for over time since 8th century B.C. when the words we just read were written. That was 3,500 years ago. Many in Bible prophecy connect the destruction of Damascus with the Psalms 83 war. But the scripture does not stop there. No scripture or Bible prophecy, we are told, in Second Peter chapter 1, let us read this verse. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in the dark place, until the day dawn and the star, day star arise in your hearts, knowing this verse that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the way will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. No prophecy, no scripture or Bible prophecy <clears throat> is of any private interpretation. You must consider all the oracles of God, all of them. You must consider them all as you consider Bible prophecy being fulfilled. You must consider all the prophecies of the Most High. Isaiah chapter 7 must be viewed through Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. In Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, we read these words. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. These are instructions from God. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Brethren, I urge you, don't destroy your testimony and Christian reputation before God by embracing and following false prophets who preach and proclaim private interpretations of Bible prophecy. Are you listening, church? Syria is a linchpin 
of unfolding Bible prophecy. This is clear. And it's a haven for the enemies of Israel. It always has been. Isaiah 17 was and is a prophecy of Scripture related directly to Damascus, Syria. And the prophet Isaiah predicted that Damascus would be destroyed utterly along with the northern kingdom of Israel. And this was fulfilled first in 732 B.C. and 722 B.C. respectively. However, Damascus remained a city destroyed and rebuilt throughout history. And today, in 2018, Damascus is once again capital of Syria. And yet much there, if you go there, much there is today a ruinous heap. In New Testament times, Damascus became connected directly with the rise of the Christian faith. The persecution of the early church and the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, who would become Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles. What happened on the road to Damascus literally resulted in the fall of the Roman Empire as Christianity literally transformed entire populations across the Middle East. starting in Damascus, where the church in Jerusalem fled. They fled to Damascus. You can go to Jerusalem today, and in Jerusalem, there is the Damascus Gate. Step outside through that gate, and it's the road to Damascus, the very same road Paul, Saul of Tarsus took when he became Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Consider that one other city than Damascus is described in Scripture as becoming a ruinous heap, invaded, destroyed, and left desolate. You can go to Micah 3.12, Jeremiah 9.11, and find out that the name of that city is Jerusalem. The self-same destiny of Damascus is prophesied as the self-same destiny of Jerusalem when the Jews were led away into captivity. Jerusalem was destroyed in 6th century B.C., yet it did not remain a ruinous heap, despite Babylon destroying it. Jerusalem was rebuilt according to Bible prophecy, and Jerusalem plays a pivotal role in the testimony of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who warned it would be utterly destroyed, surrounded, besieged by enemies and armies, Determined to lead the Jews into captivity and destroy the temple and the Jewish state. Jesus prophesied all of this in 33 AD, and it became a reality in 70 AD with the Roman general Titus and his legions. God's Bible prophecy is fulfilled to the letter. Over the last 1,800 years, Syria, and in fact, Damascus has been a proving ground for Islamic terrorism right up to 2018, right up to this last Friday night. Damascus, like Jerusalem, plays a part in Bible prophecy in the last days and end times. 
Hence, God and shared Damascus would be rebuilt, and so was Jerusalem. Both cities are rebuilt. Isn't that astonishing? God makes his will, counsel, stand. In the last days, God has appointed them both to play a part in the prophetic regathering of the nation of Israel. May 14, 1948, began the setting of God's prophetic panorama in haste. In 1967, the Jews recaptured Jerusalem, but they had to destroy the Syrian army first. And the Syrian army was based in Damascus. The the cities are linked in prophecy. They are linked in prophecy. And in 2018, President Donald Trump declared Jerusalem the capital of the state of Israel. The first time in 2,000 years, a Gentile world leader acknowledged Jerusalem in the Jewish state, thus fulfilling and setting into motion Zechariah 12, 1 through 14, where we're told Jerusalem becomes a cup of trembling. Well, this past Friday night, we saw for many people, Damascus became a cup of trembling and fear and anxiety. And apprehension Even among believers Even among believers Beloved The first time in 2000 years Jerusalem has been declared The capital of Israel And it's set into motion Events that continue to this very day Why do you think Russia And Turkey And Iran are in Syria They want Jerusalem They want the spoils of Israel Damascus has played a pivotal role A critical role In the Shiite Islam and Sunni Islam civil war Which has raged for years now Over 10 years in Syria and Iraq alone And throughout Syria Isaiah 17, verse 1, is being reborn. And not just reborn, but retrofitted to, to by God to apply to these last days and end times. That's what we're seeing. Not by man, not by Donald Trump, not by Bashar al-Assad, not by Vladimir Putin, but by God. Damascus' part in the last days seems clear. Her destruction and ruin come as a result of war and catastrophe when she helped set into motion the geopolitical unification under Russia of an Arab-Muslim-Islamic confederation that we read of in Bible prophecy in Ezekiel 38 and 39 and in Psalms Psalms 83 and then Isaiah 17. The confederation determined to destroy and invade and murder the Jewish state and God's chosen people. The enemy of that was in Damascus, Syria, when the northern kingdom of Israel existed, is the same diabolical demonic enemy that exists in 2018 in Damascus, Syria. 
that has no predilection about gassing innocent men, women, and children, has no predilection about burning down homes with people inside of them. The same evil is there. The same satanic evil is there. Many interpret Isaiah 17, 1 and 2 as a prelude of events that culminate into Ezekiel 38 and 39, becoming the move against Israel by the forces of Antichrist. Many interpret Zechariah 12, 1 through 14, of Jerusalem becoming a trembling cup and the resulting conflagration where God says, I will destroy those nations that come against Israel. And yet the nations still array themselves and align themselves together against Israel until, as the scripture states, all nations come against Israel. And we're watching that happen right before our very eyes. Many interpret these prophetic passages, these companion passages to Ezekiel 38-39 and elements of the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. And this is where the interest for the prophecy comes into play. And rightfully so for believers because the Holy Spirit is showing us, according to John chapter 16, things to come. And the wise in Christ understand. We recognize it. It resonates. It registers. Why? Because the scripture stands true. And when the Holy Spirit takes the things of of who? Of Bashir al-Assad? No. Of Donald Trump? No. Of Vladimir Putin? No. Of Ayatollah Rouhani? No. Of Recep Tayyip Erdogan? No. The Holy Spirit takes the things of Jesus Christ and reveals those things to us. And beloved, the last days and end times are all about Jesus Christ. All about Jesus Christ. This is why we long to go be with Jesus. This is why we long to be with our Savior. Because we want to be on the right side of history. Because we want to be there with him. And beloved, we will be there with him at the appointed hour. Events in Damascus indicate in Bible prophecy that Syrian capital is indeed a linchpin or a catalyst for a hastening of prophetic events that directly impact Israel and threaten Israel and Jerusalem itself. And in 2018, nothing is more evident. Nothing. Are you excited yet, church? Has it has it dawned on you? Has it dawned on you that everything you've ever believed is being confirmed is true? Amen. Guess what? It's true whether it's confirmed or not. 
it's true because God said it's true. And God is true. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And Bible prophecy and the last days and end times are all about Jesus Christ. In fact, Damascus and Bible prophecy can even be interpreted as the mega city of great influence. To date, Damascus has suffered destruction and captivity to the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Macedonians, the Romans, the Saracens, until finally captured by the Turks and Turkey in the Ottoman Empire in 1516 A.D. And today Damascus is an independent nation. And Syria restored as a nation. Syria was restored as a nation, regaining its independence shortly before Israel was. And guess where it took place? Guess where the restoration of Syria's independence took place? In Damascus. It was God's timepiece, and any prophetic scholar worth his weight recognized that when that happened in 1947. Damascus in biblical times was the megacity containing 16 separate districts with over 590 cities contained therein. Wow. Damascus was the super city in biblical times. It was big. It had 16 separate districts, 590 cities contained therein. Each city had its own mayor, its own officials. They all answered to the Damascus leadership. And this has continued throughout time. And in 2018, there are 16 separate districts with over 500 cities contained therein. Precincts, districts, whatever you want to call them. And we've heard, this is why we hear of areas near Damascus, like Duma, Aleppo, Damar, Antarma, Harasta, Jubar, Almaden, and the others that suffer, have suffered great atrocities in both modern times and in recent years in the civil war raging in Islam. We even saw the atrocities in Gula in 2017. And then what happened in that suburb of Damascus last Sunday. We were preaching God's word here. We were proclaiming the gospel. And at the same time, last weekend, people were recovering from a gas attack at the hands of the regime, the Syrian regime in Damascus. Damascus becomes a ruinous heap and has in the past and will again. Damascus becomes a ruinous heap with all the nations that come against Israel. All those nations will become ruinous heaps. Do you, do you, do you see the significance of the burden of Damascus? Damascus has always, in God's sight, been a warning to the nations. Damascus has always been what God points to and says, that is your destiny if you come against my people Israel. 
and yet they align themselves and array themselves and amass themselves against who? Israel. And yes, this coincides with the prophetic studies indicating the ruin of Damascus involves the great tribulation and the second coming of Jesus Christ at the conclusion of the great tribulation. We know what happens when Jesus puts down the armies. One of those armies is the army from Damascus. One of those armies gathered against our Lord is the armies from Damascus. The terrorists from Hezbollah, the Iranian Islamic Republican Guards, and I can list nation after nation. And they'll all come against Israel because the Bible says at the Valley of Armageddon, Jesus Christ puts them down like the vicious animals that they are. Chappie, you're being harsh. No, I'm being true. I'm being true. Speaking truth to power, powers and principalities of this world. Their hour is short. It's approaching rapidly. We don't have time to squander or waste, my friends, my brothers and sisters. We have no more time to squander and waste. In Isaiah 47 and Isaiah 48, four times in those passages, we are told that Damascus is included in the borders of Israel during the millennium. Isaiah 47, 48. Wait a minute. In Isaiah 17, it says Damascus is destroyed, becomes a ruinous heap. How can it become part of the borders of Israel? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Remember when Jesus touches the ground at the Mount of Olives? Well, what does the Bible say? What does it tell us? In Zechariah 14, 1 through 8. Isaiah 29, 6, and Revelation 16, 18 and 19, that when Jesus touches the Mount of Olives, the very geography changes. Some speculate the minute Christ's feet touch the Mount of Olives, a great earthquake severs the land, creates the chasm. And guess what? It's large enough to accommodate the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. You think that's a mistake? No. Because that's what God said is going to happen. The geopolitical landscape, the very geography has changed at the second coming of Jesus Christ. As you recall from the prophetic scriptures, the, the geography changes are a prelude and preparation for the coming of the new Jerusalem that we read in Revelation 21, 1 through 27 coming down from God in heaven during the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. It all begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ. You think the book of Revelation is just about the tribulation? (laughs) No, my friends, it's far more in-depth. That shows how God deals with the nations that reject him that come against Israel. But it's much more, much more in depth. Israel takes her rightful place as the leader of nations. 
Israel, God's chosen people who come to Christ as Messiah, who come to Jesus as Messiah. This is what the book of Revelation, why do you think we're told about the 144,000 Jewish evangelicals, evangelists, uh, the 144,000 Jewish Billy Graham, (laughs) like Billy Graham said once. I can't believe there's 144,000 Jewish Billy Grants. <laughs> Praise God, 144,000 of them. And if you trace their lineage, it goes back to the entire house of Israel. God preserves his Bible prophecy down to the very person who he selects to go forth and lead his people back to the Messiah, to look unto him in whom they have pierced. Praise God, my friends. The modern day, last days, and end times persecution of Christians in the Middle East has raged in Syria and Iraq. And Damascus has been a safe haven for those Islamic jihadists who attack Christians, torturing and murdering them in the most vicious and cruel and brutal cruelty that is imaginable and we've watched it with our own eyes haven't we we've seen it we've heard reports of it some of us can't watch it some of us must watch it some of us must pray because all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution And it doesn't matter if they're Shiite Islam or Sunni Islam. They're out to destroy the church. They're out to destroy the gospel. They're out to destroy the people of the book. And their safe haven is Damascus. It was because of the Syrian civil war and the Damascus regime of Bashir al-Assad that the European Union today is in chaos, confusion, and turmoil with literally hundreds of thousands of Syrian refugees and migrants virtually everywhere in Western Europe. Today, every European nation faces financial implosion and upheaval, trying desperately to accommodate and provide for those hundreds of thousands of Syrian refugees and refugees from Iraq, and refugees from all over the Middle East who have migrated to Europe for safety and peace. 500,000 Syrians, half a million Syrians have been killed in the Syrian civil war to overthrow the Syrian regime. And they estimate it's been almost... 190,000 children. Children who have died because of the regime in Damascus. Russia, through Vladimir Putin and the Islamic Republic of Iran and Recep Tayyip Erdogan in Turkey, supported by the People's Republic of China and the Democratic Republic of North Korea, have aligned themselves forming military and economic alliances to protect and preserve the Syrian regime of Bashir al-Assad in Damascus. 
Is it coincidence that these nations who have formed this axis, this, these alliances, is it coincidence that they also hate God and God's word and the people of the book and Christians? And they hate the testimony of Jesus Christ and the testimony of the word of God and are resolved to stamp it out and their nations. Is that coincidence? It is no coincidence that Damascus has been warned and reserved for judgment by God for 3,500 years and faces its destruction. According to God's word, God's prophetic word in specific, we are not told to wait for America or France or the United Kingdom, or NATO, or any other worldly power to destroy Damascus. We are not to wait for nations to cause Damascus to be transformed into a ruinous heap. The warning from Bible prophecy is that God Almighty will destroy Damascus. And all nations that come against Israel. Remember that, beloved. We're not waiting for the nations to attack Damascus and destroy it and reduce it to a a ruinous heap. And therefore, guess what? The prophecy is fulfilled. Prophecy is never fulfilled by the direct act of man. Prophecy is always fulfilled by the direct act of God. It's his counsel that stands. It's his word that doesn't return void. It's his warnings that become reality. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your word. It's 6.32 in the afternoon on Sunday, the 15th of April. Two days after an attack on Damascus, Lord, we are gathered together in Jesus' name to pray. Father God, your power is so mighty. Your provision is so holy and majestic. The threats of the enemy drop like like dust upon your feet, Lord. We trust in you, Lord. Our trust rests in you, Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, our faith rest in you. You, Lord, are the author and finisher of our faith. Nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing on this earth and nothing to come can separate us from your love, Lord Jesus. Father God, we are so grateful for your word which declares truth with such power 
that we are awed and humbled and and almost taking our shoes off for we feel we stand on holy ground sometimes, Lord, as we watch your prophecies being fulfilled and unfolded before our eyes. And we think we have concepts of what it will be like when it happens. Lord, we have no concept of what what it's going to be like. All we know is that when you show yourself, you show yourself in awe-inspiring fashion. And yet with such simplicity and majesty, we are we it is like you're standing in front of us and saying, What took you so long to get to this point? Lord Jesus, we pray for brothers and sisters in Christ who were afraid Friday night. Yes. We do. We pray you'd give them your peace that passes understanding and teach them, Lord. Teach them that they are not, Lord, they are not given the spirit of fear but of power and love in a sound mind and that sound mind Lord teach them that it comes in your word comes through your word and through your Holy Spirit that we are in your hands and nothing can pluck us out of your hands Lord Nothing can pluck us out of your Father's hands. You put a hedge of protection around your servants and provide for them and love them and care for them and promise us that you'll never, ever, ever forsake us or abandon us or leave us alone. Father God, you're with us through cancer and sickness and in health. You're with us, Lord, when the days are dark. Your light shines brightest then, Lord. And you're with us when things are okay. And you're asking, why aren't we talking to you? Father God, help us, Lord, to stay in fellowship with you and in a right relationship with you and to walk in the fear of the Lord, Lord, and to love each other as you call us and command us to do, Lord. And Father God, speak to our hearts, Lord, and give us your peace that passes understanding. Give us your discernment and understanding that we just, whatever comes, trust in you. Because when it all comes down to it, Father, that's the one thing nobody can take away from us. That's the one thing that you give us, Lord. And it's ours forever. Help us, Lord, to trust in you, to follow you, to walk in obedience and in the fear of the Lord. Be with our brothers and sisters who struggle 
with illness and medical problems. We thank you for so many good reports of recent date. We thank you for how you're working. Father God, I pray for Marianne fighting cancer. I pray for Joy Riston fighting cancer. I pray for all the brothers and sisters who are fighting cancer. I pray for Rachel, Lord, who's fighting ALS, Lord, hanging on by the hem of your garment, Lord. Trusting in you, Lord. And Father God, I, I, I pray, Lord, for every brother and sister caught in a fiery trial. Right now, walking in a fiery trial, Lord, help them know that you're there with them. Yes. Help them know you're with them, Lord. Father God, you taught me, Lord, instead of asking why from what happens, is to just ask myself, why not? What makes me think I'm better than anybody else? What makes me think I'm not worthy to be tested? Lord, you test your choice servants because you believe in them. You know their hearts. And testings come, Lord, not to drive us away from you, but to put us ever closer with you. Yes. And, Father God, I thank you for every opportunity we have to be close to you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Every blessing, every every single solitary blessing you give us, Lord, is a precious gift you give us. It's an affirmation you're with us. And your presence and your person is so precious to us, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for brothers and sisters who pray for each other and fervently love each other. For bringing us together for such a time as this. And help us, Lord, to be what we ought to be for you. To live for you, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we wrapped up a little early. And that was that was intentional. That was intentional. Because I want to say something further here on another subject entirely. I want everyone to be praying for this ministry. I don't want it to become stagnant. I don't want it to become routine. I want us to make a difference in each other's lives. I want us to be the difference in each other's lives when we are walking in Jesus Christ. Some of our brethren, my friends, are going through some serious uh, fiery trials and some of them may be called home to glory and I don't want you to be caught by surprise. I want you to be praying for brothers and sisters. Some of some unspoken prayer requests that you see me post occasionally in this ministry are very serious. 
very, very serious. And so I don't want you just think that, well, why didn't you tell us, Jappy, how serious things were, what was going on? It's at the request of brothers and sisters in Christ that things are done. And I, I walk in accord with their wishes and with the will of God. Sometimes it's hard to understand things that are happening, unfolding in people's lives, especially people of faith who are faithful. There are brothers and sisters in Christ that you are asked to pray for, are facing eternity, facing the time to go be with the Lord. And it should not be an occasion. This is what they tell me. It should not be an occasion for abject despair and depression and sadness. Should our, our Is it wrong to have our hearts broken? No. But it's wrong to even call into question if God calls some of them home. And I don't know. This has really been weighing on my heart lately. Because a lot of brothers and sisters involved in this online ministry, some in Berean Bible Chapel, by the way, are indeed walking through serious, fiery trials. And God is the one in control. God is the one who's showing them and me, and I hope you, his purposes and his will. And this is a very serious subject, isn't it? And I know it's a surprise at the end of such a prophetic message. But the message is this, the same message I heard earlier, Marianne said, we've got to trust the Lord. Yes, yes. No matter what happens, we have to trust the Lord. We can't get to the point where we blame the Lord. We say, oh, Lord, why did you let this happen? What kind of a God are you to allow this to happen? We struggle with those feelings, beloved. We do, all of us. But Jesus quietly makes his presence and person known to us. And it isn't, no matter how hard we try, this side of eternity, we still look through a glass darkly. Do you understand what I'm saying, beloved? And when somebody, uh, I want to say this too. When somebody asks you to pray, please don't presume they're going to be miraculously healed and fixate on that. Because sometimes, guess what? God doesn't miraculously heal. And it can be very, very upsetting and almost the point and pit of despair to keep promoting that in someone or for someone. Please season your prayers with grace and humility and understand that we're not praying to each other. We're praying to Jesus Christ. We're praying to the Lord. Do we want miracles? Yes, we do. We would love miracles. 
Do we believe there can never be miracles? No, I don't believe that. I've seen God do things that <laughs> astonish the doctors. I've seen God do things that <laughs> astonish us. Yes. Let me be straight. By all uh, by all intents and purposes, Mary Ann should be in heaven right now, but she's not. She's with us. Do I believe that's part of prayer? Yes, I do. Yes. Do I believe God's going to use Marianne as co-host? And <laughs> that's evident in the things she shares. People tell me all the time, I thank God for Marianne and what she shared. I so needed to hear what she shared. I so needed to hear. Well, guess what, folks? Don't tell me those things. Tell Mary Ann. You don't know how much of a blessing and, and, and uplift it would be for you just to share how much of a blessing what she shares is. Because it gives her great strength. Yes. <laughs> and it gives her, it just, like, like, like they told Jesus, increase my faith, Lord. That's what Marianne's in the fiery trial. Been walking in one now, going on three years, almost four years. Yeah. We've been with her as much as we can possibly be with her, and we're going to stay with her. And we're not going to abandon her a mile. We're not going to walk away and say, well, you know, uh, we'll be praying, have a good life. You know, <laughs> no, we're not that. That's not us. We're we're with you, Marianne. I just I did I I don't I know it embarrasses you and stuff for me to always bring you up, but I just want you to know that we are with you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Jesus. And and you know how much all of us love you in Milan. Thank you. Thank you. And 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 beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, you are so much a blessing. Yes. Each and every one of you, please, please understand, you are so much a blessing. Oh, yes. And this ministry, God raised this ministry up. Bill Herman did not raise this ministry up. Bill Herman does not sustain this ministry. This ministry has not lasted because of Bill Herman. Jesus Christ raised this ministry up in all glory and praise belongs to him. All I am is a mouthpiece for God when he wants me to say stuff, and I'll I'll pray and I'll preach until I can't, until I can't anymore. But we are in this until Jesus comes, beloved. So pray for this ministry. Pray for each and every one involved in this ministry. When you see a prayer request, pray for that person. Don't hesitate. Don't wait until later to do it. Do it immediately. Amen. You never know. And please, by all means, please encourage and love one another. We're not here to tear each other down. We're here to build each other up. We're here to magnify and exalt Jesus Christ. 
And nothing pleases God the Father more than when we magnify and exalt Jesus Christ and lift up God's word. We're not stagnant Christians, beloved. We're not routine. We're not caught up in a routine. And it's the same old, same old every day. That wax is old very fast. We've seen it. That isn't what this ministry is about. If I'll, Here's my challenge. If you know someone unsaved, and you know someone that needs Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord, I want you to send them to the Facebook group, The Crossroads. I want you to send them there, and I want you to urge them to join The Crossroads. And we're going to be talking to folks who come to the crossroads who need Jesus Christ. And we're going to be witnessing to those people. We're going to be sharing our testimonies. And we're going to be praying that souls get saved. That we can win the lost at any cost, whatever it entails. That we're going to be willing and ready and able to share the gospel at the drop of a hat, if need be. So if you get a message from Chappie in Berean, and you get a message from Chappie in Berean, beloved, and he asks you, I ask you to go to the crossroads and talk to somebody, you be prepared to do that. You say, what, me? No, wait a minute. I didn't sign on for this. Yes, you did. You just didn't know it. All of us are here to do what? Fish? I thought I'd be retired and go fishing all the time. God says, yeah, you're going to be retired and you're going to fish, but you're not going to be fishing for fish. You're going to be fishing for men and women. Pray for the ministry, beloved. Pray for the ministry. Thank you. Mary Ann, is there anything you'd like to say before we close the broadcast out? I'll close in a little prayer too, Chaplain Bill. Father, as we look to a brand new week, give us a strength to serve you with lots of passion and we can stand firm on your word. Let us not be shaken because if we fall down, Lord, you're there. You pick us right up. Help us to grow in your word this week, Lord, and to glorify you in this very dark world. We thank you, Father, so much for beautiful teaching. We learned so much this evening, and we give you the praise and all the glory. So we ask also a special blessing on every soul that came out this this evening, and, and may they come back again. And you are so glorified. We love you so much, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Marianne. Yes. All right, folks, that wraps up another broadcast. We're going to go out with Casting Crown, singing about praising Jesus in the storm. God bless you. Good night. Have a wonderful week. Good night. God bless you. Down and 
wiped our tears away Stepped in and saved the day But once again I say amen And it's still raining As the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm with you And as your mercy falls I'll raise my hands And praise the God who gives And takes away
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.